0: Hello and welcome to the weekend review. I'm Michael Curzon, and I'm joined today by SD Wicket. Sam, how are you? It's good to be in the uh, passenger seat this time. I've, I had to
1: I had to drive the car last week, and it was a bit of a ramble.
0: Yeah, well, I'm sure the uh, I'm sure the listeners were, were grateful for your your stewardship rather than mine. Um, hey,
1: it's uh, but, but uh, I, I it wouldn't be the uh, weekend review without without an update on the weather. So um, it's been uh-huh. raining it's, it's been raining all morning, but uh, I can see clearly now.
0: Oh, very good this listeners is why i took a week off i wasn't busy i was just fed up of the of the weather update uh which i'm sure we're also going to get by luke perry luke how are you oh yes a,
2: a similar update to wicket it was raining in the morning but now yes it's very sunny as we can see with all the glares on our faces yes. can,
1: can, can you see all obstacles in your way luke
0: what's this uh, you- uh, all I see are obstacles at the moment. <laughs> Calduke has no idea what reference he points to. Do oh. you know what we should do? We should have a, a sponsor for the weather. That's one of mm. the age programmes. Now the weather, sponsored by... By NordVPN. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, or, or just Great a- shadow <laughs> legends. <laughs> all right. Well, and, and now to the news. Um, <laughs> so we, we talk about this every week, but it, we wouldn't really be able to call this podcast The Week in Review about discussing um, the the what should i call it the, the the sort of closeness we're getting to boris being ousted or at, at least it seems um so yesterday four senior advisors um including um the what's the chap's name the guy who was uh, who invited 100 people to the Bring Around party um resigned um one of them citing the Claims made by Boris against uh, Sir Keir Starmer about Jimmy Savile and how he is the the head of prosecutions, didn't do anything in that and spent his whole time attacking journalists. That led to one of them resigning. Um, And, you know, a lot of MPs, I think now, we also saw probably a big sign in what's coming next. Rishi Sunak. Refusing to back Boris on the on the Savile line, um, which a number of backbenchers have said is is risky on the move. He's manoeuvring, um, and uh, some MPs have said the the election has already begun since it all, always begins before it's actually called. Um, is is Boris going to be here this time next week, or even this time by, when the uh, when the podcast comes out? Um, it's it, it's tough to say because a
1: week is a very long time in politics, yeah. but. It's obvious that now that you know the the, the various sharks in the party smell blood, um, yeah, and and you know and they are they are circling the leaking corpse of of the prime minister. Um, <laughs> it'd be interesting to see, you know, as it, it, as fascinating as as someone like myself who doesn't really particularly believe in politics as 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 how it is portrayed. Um, something else is happening under the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess time will just tell. I mean, it looks very precarious for him. I think the 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 uh, the aide that who's who's uh, leaving will hit him the hardest is uh, is uh, Munira Merza, who's yeah. supposedly, supposedly been a friend and confidant for over a decade. It is it was of his um, uh, key key role in his uh, his a uh, qualities commission. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, you know obviously he's he's he's, he's leaking. Um, Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll it see if there's any you know organized push against him but um, I mean Rishi's sort of been it felt like Rishi's been sort of distancing himself from the government for quite some time now.
0: Purposefully I think that's yeah. what I was talking to some uh, MPs yesterday and their view was very much that he's been playing a disappearing act that um, he's been trying to hide under the covers because so much has been happening he didn't want to defend and also Uh, If he did defend them, it would sort of play against him when, if a leadership election comes about. So, yeah, he's been hiding. The first proper time he's been out in public, he distanced himself from the Prime Minister. So, And, you know, I think the important thing is someone like him is going to be, knowing what's happening on the inside he's probably got a a reasonable understanding of how many have gone to the 1922 committee to say we don't have confidence and boris he he will know about the people who were uh, thinking of resigning and who then did resign from number 10 i'm sure so with him distancing coming out and distancing himself i think that that um says a lot but luke say this time in, well, it, it, an election would actually take a while, but say this time in however many months time, Rishi Sunak is our prime minister. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for one, the conservative cause, also the sort of lockdown skeptic cause? Because that's that's an important question, I think.
2: Oh, well, I, I think that um, just the entire lockdown rhetoric and any um, conviction towards it has been blown up by party gates yeah. because the, the government has found out that it, it cannot defend it as it proved that they who had all the information did not believe COVID was that a serious thing. And it also, um, if a general election happens and Labour gets in, well, Labour have already backed themselves into a corner because when the party gate was released, they um, said, oh, oh, how dare they look at all the people who died alone, look at all the businesses that were destroyed. And of course, I don't know if they've realised it, but, they did vote for these policies but i think on the likelihood of a, of a richie sunak prime minister it depends on how much support he could garner but i don't think boris will ever resign he's no. far too stubborn far too brutish you would need a, a vote no confidence or a michael hesseltine figure to come in yeah he's, that's here's all i can see. He's, he's
1: one of those figures who you can tell that no, no matter what else he's done in his life he's job in the press <clears throat> mayor of london foreign sec it's all been building up to this. This is this has been his en- end game, his entire political career.
0: Yeah, and no, this yeah. May, also, may also be his end game. I mean, one point that some have highlighted is that um, it's, you know, we don't like uh, Boris Johnson being prime minister. He is, um, he, he portrays himself as being this great patriot and social conservative. Oh, uh, once every five years. One, well, of course, once every five years, when, of course, he's not. Well, every week, really. I mean, every week in PMQs, every time he is in front of the electorate, which last year was pretty much every day, uh, given the press conferences. He has the flag there. He, he, um, he, he talks about buying British, about um, Britain regaining its freedoms after Brexit, um, whereas, in fact, the country's become more global. So we don't like him being Prime Minister, but... He is now in such a tight corner, it seems. So many uh, uh, MPs are saying, look, I'm really fed up. If something more comes out, I'm writing my letter. I'm going to vote against you. You're out. So, you you know, the, the, the argument essentially is that we've got him by the ghoulies. That's pretty much why the lockdown restrictions were eased, um, not because there's a change of heart within government or number 10, but because they thought, I'm not sure we can survive keeping these measures or uh, increasing measures. Um, So there is that argument about it. And also having Rishi Sunak in power um, creates a sort of change of face in government. Sure, he was involved in all of this, but people always forget who was involved. They just look at the figurehead. Mm -hmm so that's how politics has become it's about one personality it's like it's like stalinist russia where gets I mean, yeah. up to the top so having Rissy there a change of face could make people think right thank goodness boris is out this is a fresh page we've started from new whereas the opposite is the case he's much the same on most of these policies nothing would change other than that people would become more favorable of who's in charge i mean this this is this is the tory you know this
1: is this is what they do you know this is what this is what cameron did it's what made it, 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 it Think about it, right? Since, since since they've been in power, there's been four prime ministers in, in one, you know, contiguous block. You yeah. know, who who all, when you really boil it down, are pretty much as safe options. Yeah. That's what Rishi would be. They're effectively identical from one another. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, Cameron, May, Johnson, Sunak, whatever, you know, um obviously, you know, when Johnson versus became PM, there's a lot of talk about, you know, his various quotes in the past in past um Articles about you know about letter boxes and that kind of thing, but I mean they're all of the same mold. You know they all come from the same place. Um, yeah. And, and this sort this is sort of the Tories sort of you know sort of Doctor Who esque regeneration act where you know <laughs> whenever the leader gets a bit stale a bit a bit unpopular or you know bottles it like 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 Cameron did with the referendum, they just swap one out for the other and then the party gains another three years of of, of uh, longevity.
0: Yeah. Well. So that we don't bore our, our listeners by just talking about Boris today, I think this gives us a nice segue into Rishi Sunak, because um, the other topics we wanted to discuss were some of the financial changes we've seen recently. So uh, in, a, in a piece written by Boris and Rishi uh, in, the, in the last Sunday Times, they said... We are tax cutting conservatives and we're sticking by our pledge to raise national insurance, which I thought was a, a nice bit of spin. Um, so they're, they're doing that to, I think it's to help cut the backlog in their words. Um, we're also seeing energy bills go up quite largely and, and that is funded in part, um, or at least involves in part, I should say, the green energy levy, um, which is basically the taxpayer uh, subsidising. Um, net zero targets and all such things like this um so do you think that the electorate would be uh, unforgiving of Rishi for the fact he actually has been uh, at the realm of the uh, as chancellor while all of these hikes have been taking place
1: i think the think the problem is, is that with with economics and the, and, the, and the treasury it's so wrapped up in in jargon and sort of you know techno speak yeah. that the average person just you know looks at those you know multi-syllable words gawks, and so on, just leaves leaves it to some nerd to figure out you know i mean i think i think the, the chancellor will always take less flack than the pm you know with with austerity you know cameron always got more flack than Osborne. um mm. i i don't I, honestly, I don't know i think on some level people you, know, you won't have people in the pub discussing the finer points of inflation and and you know and interest rates but you will find people go well hang on my week shop has doubled in the last year yeah. Pe- people notice real economics rather than, um, okay. yeah, as it as it appears in their daily life, rather than you know what's coming out of the treasury in terms in in terms of you know five thousand word white papers with you know chop full of jargon. Um, mm-hmm. I think w- with that they'll just be- they think people will become angry at just the wider system, which is a good thing um, yeah. because you know after when you really dig down, you realize that people like Johnson and Sunak are just apparatchiks in a wider in a wider system.
2: I also think it will, whether soon that gets a lot of feet, if it would, it would depend a lot on spin, because look at how the media have portrayed the pandemic There have been backlogs because of COVID not through lockdowns. So whether they yeah. can say yes, we've had to raise these taxes, raise national insurance, I'm sorry, inflation might hit a bit. But we just came out of, of a horrible pandemic. And whether that message will be given to voters and whether they'll take it, most likely they will. I think that will just keep them under the under the umbrella for a bit. But and yeah, uh, as you, yeah. as you say, we, we, when people are discussing at the pub, they don't discuss, you know, what country the foreign minister went to today. That they discuss that you know, they've lost their jobs. There, they might lose their homes, and that's what gets people angry. At, at what gets them voting? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and 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 you're right about that because people, I mean. If they didn't wrap it up in, in 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 econ jargon, people would be rightly furious because they're, they're being hit with the bill for the government's own mismanagement. You know, mm-hmm. like th- there was no public mandate to turn this country into a COVID response with a nation attached to it. You know, mm-hmm. pe- people didn't ask to ha- for the backlog. You know, people didn't. You know, pe- people didn't say, "Oh, hey, um, I know, I know, I've got this lump on my, on my neck, but um, that's fine." D- just care people for you know. People for COVID um, and leave, leave us to it. I mean, the, the backlog is entirely the government's own doing. And the fact that um, they have to foot us with the bill is is, is ludicrous. Cause, but also, there's no real choice because the damage has been done economically. And, you know, government, the government isn't a, isn't a money making system. You know, it, it gets money one of two ways either it, it borrows it, i.e., deficit spending, and, and increases the national debt, or it taxes the people into oblivion um,
2: and or it prints it from the sky.
1: Yeah, and the, the fact that they still have this, this, this facade of a sort of a compassionate paternalistic government while they've you know, spent the last two years torching this country and then giving us the bill for it is <laughs> it's absurd.
0: Yeah. Um, now, net zero is something I want to talk about within this, because as I say, it's, it's one of the reasons behind um, the increase in energy bills. Uh, um, you know, prices will be increased partly through um, subsidies for green projects. Um, Now, one of the post-Brexit commitments that's been dropped since Lord Frost uh, resigned in December was the idea that two uh, retained EU regulations that still have control of this country ought to be scrapped every time a new regulation is introduced into the country. It's called, like, the the European bonfire, the EU bonfire of regulations, a a sign of Britain taking back control, which, of course, would be a good idea because um, I was talking to... To Ben Habib of of, um, of Brexit Watch earlier this week, and he was highlighting, he's a businessman as well. This is the main thing he does. Is it? that you know a regulation sounds bad. No one likes regulations, but the important point behind a regulation is that each regulation has a monetary cost for a business. Even just telling a business. To include on the side of its bottle um, the number of calories within that means the company has to enforce measures of calculating calories, of then ensuring its calculations were correct, of having insurance for when mistakes are made, of printing labels, all this sort of stuff. That's only a tiny aspect, um, but it still includes a cost on it. Um, so as I say, this this two-out-one-in policy has been dropped, and the reason the government said it's quite funny actually in the document called um, of making use of the benefits of Brexit, was that oh, we're having to drop this policy uh, because it doesn't quite fit in well with net zero. We can't afford to do this alongside net zero. Um, so that essentially is the government's priority now. Its priority is getting rid of all uh, emissions, or at least zeroing out on emissions by 2050 is the target. That's what it's set down in in uh, COP 26, and um, it's laid out in these in these long documents, and it favours all of that over actually regaining British control uh, control from the European Union. I think it's a pretty major sign that, you know, this is the thing that's the priority of a Conservative government when no one's voted for it, no one's asked for it. Uh, People want the opposite to take place, but what choice do we have?
1: Well, I mean, again, this this is the product of decades of of neglect of the uh, industrial sector of of this country's economy. You know it, it's everything from energy production to manufacturing of you know vehicles and goods we've we've sat idly by as you know our uh, our economy was built around you know financial speculation rather than actual production you know we've let germany and china and and you know uh, japan sort of hoover up what was you know the bedrock of our industry and now we're paying the price for it you know and and because it it, it took you know 20 30 years to get to this level it'll probably take that long to get back to get it back and like i don't i don't know if it will
0: um i think i think to be honest it would take longer because it's it's not just the infrastructure which is now missing um it's also the not just the people as in the number of people but the mindset that sort of generational thinking of right i'm not going to go to university and all that i'm going to leave school at a relatively young age i'm going to become an apprentice at this place, and I'm going to work there until I retire. Um, and, there's, and there's nothing wrong with that. that that's admirable. No, no, no. Like, like, no. like it's been, it's been
1: it's been drilled out of them. by the idea that if you want, you know, a, a liberal arts student at a at a sort of plate glass university, you know, in your eighteen nineteen, then you're not
2: of any economic value. Like, it's yeah. it's it's absolutely absurd and um... and it's considered sort of socially unacceptable to, to work with your hands to work in a trade i yeah. mean people who work in you know, quite lucrative trades positions whether they're mechanics they're plumbers they're earning very good money much more than many graduates but they're afraid of putting their occupation on social media or dating websites mm. because people think lower of these people which is mm. absurd it is. yeah, yeah. It,
0: it, for a Economy, it's suicidal. It is, and you're right on the money point as well. I mean, uh, some apprenticeships, obviously, some apprenticeships can, can you can get absolutely you know next to nothing. But uh, you know, I know plenty of people from where I'm from who, who did these apprenticeships. who have got a good amount of money while doing it. Who then got in the job very soon rose up. They're earning you know massive amounts of money without debt. Without, without debt. debt, absolutely. Yeah. The people who go to university come out, and let's be frank, a lot of people spend. Years afterwards, before they do find a job, if they ever find a job, working in some kind of uh, uh, of service industry, hmm. get paid the minimum wage, and are miserable while doing it. So, Yeah, you know, it, that's, that's I, the I, it
1: manifests itself in so many ways. Like the 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 lack of skilled craft is is noticeable in buildings. So I remember once uh, Michael, you and I were walking through Birmingham, um, in the middle where there are still some nice buildings, and the, you know, there's, there's these stunning engravings on the wall and um if you look at any sort of new building that's sort of built in like a pastiche to that kind of style there's no engravings on the wall in the stonework because that 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 skill just isn't there anymore there's there's, there just aren't people who can do it anymore i mean mean,
2: having also walked through the center of Birmingham and seeing these nice buildings there's also the the library which is I don't know how to describe it. It's like built with hula hoops and Lego. It's it's, an absolute modern art monstrosity. But it once
1: was a, a lovely building, right? Yeah. And, and the, body, the body wasn't even destroyed in the war. It was just knocked down and replaced <laughs> with some, you know, some aesthetic well, it, prison.
0: It was destroyed in the war against Britain, which wasn't against Germany. <laughs> right, it, was, right. the, it, the, it was a civil war. <laughs> the war on beauty, yes. Um, on, on that area in Birmingham, anyone walking through it, um, walking towards the library or towards the... Um, the Is it the NEC or the NIA? The one with the symphony hall inside the, it? The NIA. Yeah. Anybody walking through that area is actually quite depressing when you do it because you you walk past these massive hideous buildings. The library, as you say, Luke, is mental. It is. It's like God opened up a pack of hula hoops and dropped them on the floor and and thought, oh, "I'll leave them there." That works as a library. It is. Horrendous. It's like the hula hoop of Babel. <laughs> yeah, it is disgusting. But not only that, this is a massive, uh, ginormous building. You've got plenty of other buildings around it. You've got the HSBC building nearby. You've got all of these massive things, and in the middle. There's a, a, a tiny old church. You've got the town hall there, which is absolutely dwarfed. It's a, it's a great building, but it's dwarfed um, by those around it. And then you've got this nice, um, it's like a monument, I think, to those who died in either World War One or World War II, if not both. Again, would once have looked quite impressive and would have stood out, but now is dwarfed within these monstrosities around it. It's it's quite upsetting to see actually the change where your eyes are drawn to these hideous things when what you should be looking at is is sort of hidden away. And by the way, this is a side point. Sam, you'll remember this. I I think I saw it with Michael at another stage. I don't know if I've told you yet, Luke, but there's a really nice uh, monument around that area uh, for the Black Lives Matter movement um what and it's hilarious. got it's got people kneeling and it's it's got um you know lots of people from different <laughs> cultures together all saying it black lives matter standing together it's got slogans on it guess who was the creator i didn't know you did this in your spare time but on the plaque at the back it said created by luke perry <laughs> so well, everybody, this guy's yeah. a
2: phone. <laughs> well I, I need them to gather somewhere <laughs> Actually,
1: so... we, we're walking through and I'm like, hey, this is funny look at this so let me let me around the back of the that chair. <laughs>
2: It said, my, my luke perry <laughs> <laughs> Next time I'm in Berlin, I want a selfie with it, with my statue or whatever it is. <laughs> Your
0: statue. You, I think you'll disown it. Um, just quickly, I want to I want to bore you for one more minute on net zero because um, there's an interesting point behind this. I think uh, we were talking earlier this week, Sam, about uh, the the futile nature of politics about the day-to-day squabbles, especially the party squabbles against each other, which are meaningless because they're both essentially the same. It's just a pantomime. That's what it is. It's a pantomime. It's, it, an it's,
1: it's Punch and Judy, but with the inner and outer party.
0: Yes. <laughs> Here's an example of that. So when the policy I said about earlier was scrapped, when they said we're getting rid of the two-out, one-in policy because it doesn't comply with net zero, we had a load of people come out and say, this is the wrong idea. We had politicians say, uh, Lord Frost's great policy, because it was Frost who was sort of aligned with this policy. Uh, Lord Frost has been discredited. Lots of, um, lots of Tories saying, this is disgraceful. You've got to take away from it now. None of them realise, because they haven't read the agreements, and this was pointed out again by Habib, who I mentioned earlier, that in the, in the trade and cooperation agreement we signed with the European Union, Um, That, by the way, Lord Frost negotiated, um, and which Boris Johnson signed, within, it's like a 1,100-word page document, but within that, it ties us up on what's called a level playing uh, field um, measure, with the European um, regulations, essentially, on environment, among other measures, uh, like um, fair play in terms of trade, which means we can't just simply buy British, we have to open it out to other countries. We have to, because we're signed into this treaty. But part of it is that we've agreed within it to getting to net zero by 2050. It's not really a matter of policy choice that politicians can discuss and change. We have agreed uh, through an international and, and governmentally signed trade deal to stick by these environmental measures to get to 2050 at whatever cost. And clearly in this case, it was at cost of of, um, of scrapping EU regulations. And as we can see through increases of the cost of living, it's also at the cost of taxpayers' pockets. So th- it's, it's one of those points where it's really important not to look at the political squabbling and say, Boris, you're doing the wrong thing. Uh, this is a disgrace. Change it. It can't simply be changed because we have signed into it, into an international agreement. It's the agreements we need to be thinking about rather than the day-to-day Policy squabbling—that's uh, that's how we get stuck in these things. So much so, much,
1: so much for uh, taking back control. Eh?
0: Absolutely, yeah, it, it, and you know the same with the Northern Ireland Protocol. As we know, where the the European Court of Justice uh, has to look at the products going into Northern Ireland, which is part of the UK. So we've we've set, we've uh, essentially annexed part of the UK uh, and given up on them. You know these things are disgraceful. They really are, and it's it, it is a shame because. A lot of people put their hope in the idea of Brexit, which is why, on reflection, I wouldn't support, at the time I supported the referendum, but I, was, I wasn't old enough to vote. I was over 16 or 17. And I wrote about it in the local papers and that, and asked people to vote, uh, so, uh, to leave. But looking back, I think the referendum was one of the worst things that could happen, because we've now signed a load of international trade deals and agreements coming out of Brexit that have massively harmed us, um, because we allowed the Conservative Party to decide what Brexit was. We voted, we we pulled ourselves out of the European Union, not by electing a government that wanted to it for the right reasons, but by having a referendum which put in control the people who love the European Union, Mm. who love globalism, who want these net zero aims, talking about that, which are all... Boris only
2: really really sided with Brexit for political opportunism, didn't he?
0: Yeah. he took two days
2: before he came out in favor of leave he, he signed a letter or something
0: he, he wrote two articles
1: yeah he wrote two articles but it was, I was <laughs> worse I remember there was a genuine
2: populist moment
1: <clears throat> a genuine you know kickback against the establishment and it took the establishment about a year and a half to steal it to steal it and co-opt it
0: yeah, yes. but this I think so it brings us back to what you said earlier with the financial questions. No one in a pub talks about the financial questions is too difficult. All you talk about is losing a job. Exactly the same with Brexit. No one talks about uh, page 179 of the Trade and Cooperation Agreement uh, and and how we're tied into um, into pursuing net zero. No one talks about that because they don't know it. No one reads it. And Fair enough. I'm not that sort of criticism. It's just an obvious fact. Um, what people do talk about is we've regained control. Simple as that. People talk about sound bites in pubs. They don't talk about the detail. And, you know, that's how the government has managed to win over the situation. And they've done a, unfortunately, done a bloody good job of it. Hmm. Um, so, yes, that's, that's upsetting. But there you are.
1: Yes, there we go.
0: <laughs> Is that the week in review then? I think we've been going at it for about the time. So there you are, we'll You've been it. going at it for a... us. <laughs> the, the, the week
1: has indeed been reviewed. The week yeah. has been reviewed. It has been prepared. given one star.
0: One star. Oh dear, It right. well,
1: is uh, cool. we were just up half star from last week. So uh,
0: yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> it's improvement.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, on on that jolly note, uh, thank you for listening. Have a good weekend, uh, and do something you enjoy, and try not to read too much of the news. Maybe that's maybe that's the answer to all this. Um, and we'll be- read, read some of
1: uh, read some of my uh, lovely poetry.
0: Yeah, read some of that's a, yeah that's a nice plug. Read some of Sam's new poetry on his Substack account which you'll find linked on his Twitter. There you are. Thank you, everybody. Enjoy.